The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get into the interview, I would be honored if you would consider going to thepaulleslie.com and clicking support the show. There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour, and you can help me get more of these interviews out there to the masses. It only takes a moment, and it makes a world of difference. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now, let's get into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to welcome this man, Randy Moore. He's a singer, songwriter, guitarist, performer, and recording artist. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here. I think most stories start best from the beginning. Where are you from? Well, I'm from a little place called Humble, Texas, which is north of Houston. It's kind of where I started playing music. I really didn't want to be a musician. I wanted to be a, I wanted to paint pictures and be an artist, but I found out that I wasn't any good at playing football, so I started playing guitar. And what kind of music did you hear around the house? My dad played Johnny Cash and Jerry Lewis Records and Tom T. Hall, and my mom loved Elvis and Dean Martin, and then my big brother, I had the Beatles' White Album and Led Zeppelin too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing you in Nashville, and you did a Tom T. Hall song, and you mentioned your father. So your father was a country music fan. Yeah, he liked good music. He had a variety of different kinds of records he liked to listen to. I mean, he would range from, you know, anywhere from... I have been sitting in the truck with him, and he would... Turn a Mike and Mechanics song up from the 80s. He just liked good songs and liked it, liked it when they sounded right. So I kind of learned a lot from him as far as pretty much how to recognize what it is that about music that kind of is soulful and is good and try to identify that and try to incorporate that into uh, anything that I decide I want to sit down and, and compose or something. It's kind of the main thing for me is for the music to be soulful and have feeling to it. Anybody can learn to be technically great or or horribly wrong, and it doesn't matter if it's if it's not soulful, then none of those skills matter. But if it's soulful and it, and it feels right, then it can be probably the worst sounding thing or the most pristine, beautiful sounding thing you ever heard in your life. You, the soulfulness will, will come through any of that. That's what I've always hoped to place my, I call it a balance. I like to place my balance over something like that and make sure that that's where the, the heart of everything is that I try to try to do. Playing live as well. I mean, I play a lot of requests for people because I'm doing this to, to make other folks happy. But the way I want to express myself is I like to, for something to, to have a, a feeling to it. You know, and for people to go, wow, what is that? And you go, well, that's that's good music. <laughs> Could you say that there's one artist that has been the biggest influence, or is that even possible? Not real possible, no. I think my favorite, I'd say my favorite songwriter, everything I've ever heard him write, 
is Willie Nelson, simply because something about Willie Nelson, uh, whatever it is that he does, speaks to me, and, and I go, boy, I'm reading every consonant syllable of what you're doing there. It's hitting me. I like a lot of other songwriters and a lot of other artists. Of course, the main ones of the Johnny Cash's and the Elvis Presley's and the Beatles and the, the things like that, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Eric Clapton. But it really all just kind of comes from, like I said, what is it that's good? And that's what I try to gravitate towards because I've found out over the last few years how short life really is. And don't really waste your time or spend your time on something that's just not good. Tell us about your connection to Carl Perkins. I thought that was very interesting. Well, Carl became a friend late in his life. I worked with a lady here in Nashville who was a real good friend of his. And she said, you should go down to Jackson and write with Carl. I said, well, i like to just go down to Jackson and just shake his hand. So she called, she made the phone call for me. Her name is Dottie Moore, no relation. And I went down to uh, Jackson and met with Carl's daughter and we did some writing because Carl had to be on the road. And then when he heard what we'd been doing, he, he told his daughter, Debbie, he said, well, he, that boy needs to come down again. I want to I give him. So I actually went down and upon the first meeting, we actually sat down and wrote a couple of songs that day and had lunch and just got to know each other and talk on the phone and things like that. I found a lot of stuff about my dad and Carl uh, when I first saw him walking from his pool house toward the gate where I was coming through the gate. <laughs> he was dressed just about like my dad would always dress during the day. He had, had a flannel shirt on, blue jeans with the, with the crease <laughs> down the front of the leg, white tennis shoes, a blue jean jacket, and a baseball cap. And I went, oh, my Lord, it's my dad. <laughs> It wasn't hard to get to know him because he wasn't hard to get to know at all. Carl's best quality was being able to size up people. And if he didn't particularly care for them, then he wouldn't bad out them. He just wouldn't have a whole lot to do with them. But if he liked you, he would he would break his arm off for you, and then he'd sew it back on if he had to. So he was a big influence on me for most of my life because a lot of his songs I always gravitated towards when it came to rockabilly music and, and the old rock and roll stuff. But until I started writing with him, I never was really able to delve into how soulful his music was because a lot of that was kind of masked by the fact that he was Mr. Blue Suede Shoes. That's He was kind of doing his job by going out there and doing his rockabilly thing. But man, he could, he could, he could write a sad song or a soulful song as good as Hank Williams, you know. And you wrote some songs with him, is that correct? Yeah, I've got several songs uh, he and I wrote together. Debbie participated in those as well. Some of those were her ideas. Some of those were his. Some of them were mine. But they all kind of have Carl's stamp on them because of the way he, he spun lyric and things like that. He had a he definitely had a, a different way of doing a lyric. It was a kind of a country boy thing, but it was also a, a blues thing, too, so... He was definitely the real deal as far as, like, you talk about somebody who grew up in the cotton fields shoulder to shoulder and is, and is poor and is probably as kicked and abused as the black folks he worked with. He was one and the same with them. Like anybody in America who's done what he did, he, he was able to rise above a lot of that 
but he never forgot where he came from. Is the name of your band, The Fabulous Swades, is that like a tribute to him in some ways? Yeah, it's a tribute to Paul. Uh, he laughed when he heard that name. <laughs> I said, well, it did all right for you. He said, yeah, it's, it's made a few car famous for me. <laughs> when you first came to Nashville, how did you feel about the city? It was a real small town because I came here in 1978. I worked at an amusement park that had shows. It was called Popper Dan USA. It was a different place because there wasn't so much focus on it now. Like today, Nashville has got so many different industries and things that are focused on it. I never didn't think it wasn't a desirable place. It's just that a lot of people have now discovered it, and it's become a, a hub for a lot of new, exciting businesses and stuff and everything, tech businesses and industry. And so it's not so much the music that's grown here as much as it's been everything else that's kind of grown up around it. Music's still here. It's just, it's different, but music's always going to change because if everybody was stamped out of the, the same factory, then music would never change. It would always sound the same for the last 400, 500, 600 years at times. So it was a small town. It was easy to get to know people. The music industry was a, it was a tight little sort of a closed thing. You know, you kind of had to know someone to be into, to get into someone. And, but I always tell people, Nashville's a lot of times is not a place to make it in the music business as much as it is to make music in the business. And what that means is, is you can learn a lot about songwriting and recording and all that kind of stuff here, but you can only learn it. The other part you have to already have and possess and know how to sort of make that flourish and not let the craft or the tricks of the trade or those kinds of things. You can't let the special effects be the, the motion picture. The motion picture has to have a good story. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of stuff flying around blowing up. Did you play the Grand Old Opry at one point? Well, the first time, the first year I was, I was on an Opry matinee with Roy Acuff. That was exciting. My grandfather came up to see me from Florida, and he was a big Roy Acuff fan. So for him, I had made it. There wasn't anything bigger I could do. He told me I, I probably didn't need to do any more of this because, you know, I made it. And you sang on stage. For him, when you sang on stage with Roy Acuff, you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did another performance again in the 1990s. I had a song that was a regional release. It was as a solo artist. It was called The Mother's Prayer. And it was a song I wrote with a fellow who was an adopted. He was adoptee, and he wanted to kind of make it about that. And I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea, so... We made it about that. I ended up singing it on the Opry for, they have a, there's a month, I think it's in November, the National Adoption Month. So they wanted to put somebody on there that musically had something synonymous with that. So, so I got to do that again. It was fun. What is coming up in the future for Randy Moore? Well, I've put together a group that I used to sing with back in 1979 called the Knott Brothers. It's a vocal group. We've gotten back together and we're currently opening up a website and starting to do some uh, some dates for our own. The music we do is predominantly folk 
and country rock and stuff like that. Flying Burrito Brothers, Grateful Dead, all, all along those lines, and some Alabama and some Charlie Daniels and stuff like that. It's a folky country rock thing that we do. I'm working on an animated project that is taking a long time because I've been learning animation. But I'm hoping one of these days that might come out, but it's a long process. I really haven't done anything except just learn how to do animation. Hmm. <laughs> when somebody sees you perform, best case scenario, what do you hope that they get out of the experience of listening to you play? I hope they can walk out and say, I remember when I first time I heard that song, or I remember when I heard that song when, when this happened to me. And I hope that whatever I'm doing can bring back a good memory and take people away from, you know, what might not be too good or, or just what's going on and what might be worrying them. Other than that, I don't really have any other goal but just to make sure that whoever's listening, it'll just make them feel just a little bit better. What is the best thing about being Randy Moore? That what I do is really actually pretty easy for me. It's not a struggle. I, you know, I was lucky enough, blessed enough to have DNA to where I can process things and, and music and, and art are the two things I really love. And, I, and I, I've learned and I've been able to figure out pretty well how to process those and use them. And it's fun. When I get something or when I do something, I can kind of stand back and look at it with paint dry and go, all right, that was, that was fun. That was, uh, that was really something. I, I'm glad I did that. And, Nobody has ever answered that question that way. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know about other folks. I just know how I feel about it. And, and that at the end of the day, there's no, there's no amount of money or notoriety that can make you feel as satisfied than when you kind of complete something that you really love to do and you can kind of look at it and go, boy, that was, that was good. That was, that was a lot of fun. I'd like to do that again sometime. <laughs> but if I don't, I don't. <laughs> For anyone who's listening to this interview, wherever they are, what would you say to them? I would just say enjoy the things that are, that are out there for you to enjoy. Music is one of them. Art is one of them. Entertainment is one of them. Don't get so wrapped up in it, though, that you forget how to be more forgiving and care about folks that don't even know you care about them. Beyond that, you really just need to love yourself. Because if you take care of yourself, take care of your own backyard, then you can certainly help others, even if you're just leading or showing them by example. That's the thing my grandmother, my grandmother who was from Stone Mountain, Georgia, she she said, it's good to, to help other people, but it's even better to mind your own business a lot of times. Uh, that's true. Mind your own business means keep your thing. Keep keep your thing going. Keep it up. Keep doing the, the right thing for yourself. It'll turn out good for others, too. My last question. In your own words, who is Randy Moore? Randy Moore is a guy who lives in Tennessee and is pretty much a servant to other folks and enjoys being a servant. He likes to sing for people. And when anybody ever asks me, well, what's your job? I said, well, I don't fix roofs. I don't cure coals. I don't pay roads. I don't do plumbing. I stand all over the stage, and I make folks feel just a little bit better every now and then. And that's my job. That's beautiful, man.
I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much. Well, Paul is enjoyable. It's always nice to have somebody let you kind of go on and on about themselves because I'm not a person who does a lot of these things. I pretty much try to just keep my head down and, and just keep my low beams on. I try not to look too far ahead on things. So, But when you get a chance to look back and somebody like you will give you a chance to look back, it's kind of nice. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I will see you on down the road. Thanks, buddy. Goodbye.